So here we have a, um, a prayer that the Apostle Paul has ended his, uh, he just gave a, a, a very good um, lesson on how the weak should deal with the strong in their faith or how the strong should deal with the weak in their faith and the relationship they have to one another and how it is our duty to come together and with one voice, no matter what background or walk you come from, to be able to glorify God. And he gives you reasons why we can do that. And we'll look at those here in just a minute. But as Paul gives us these things right here, one of the things that we learn is that Paul understands that this can only happen by the power of of God himself. This is not something you and I can muster up. I cannot just try I cannot just come up here and try to make you feel what advent is meant to make you feel. This can only happen by a work that God does in your heart. He's the God of hope. He's the source that comes from him. And then so he ends this thing and he prays a prayer and he says, "Listen, may the God of hope fill you what does it mean to be filled? It means full, right? It means you are to the brim. You can't hold anymore. And so may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. And remember, I took you back a few, a few minutes ago to what we believe, believing the Scriptures because it's through the Scriptures and it says that He wrote the Scriptures for our instruction and for our endurance. They're meant to give us endurance. We're meant to be able to look back at the people of old and learn from their example and therefore we be able to endure. And they're supposed to give us encouragement to continue in our faith, to making the sacrifices that we have to make in our flesh to serve Christ, to encourage us to keep going in this. And as we look at these scriptures and as we see the work of God in the past and the promises of God fulfilled in the past and as we see all that God is for us, then it is supposed to fill us with joy and fill us with peace. And I promise you, it will. It did me, sitting there listening to the sermon on the internet as I went through this. And, and I'm not kidding you, man, me and Anthony was Pentecostal in a water plant. I'm just being honest with you. I, I just jumped up and I told him, I said, Brother, I could jump on the desk right now and dance. I could get up there and do a little jig. I mean, I was just so full of joy and peace just sitting here studying these scriptures right here. And I knew that can only come from God. That can only come from God. And then as that joy and that peace begin to be fulfilled, I begin to overflow with hope. With hope. I know that God is who He says He is, and I know that God will do everything He said He will do. And so my prayer for you and for myself this season is the same as Paul's right here. My prayer is that the God of hope will fill you with all joy and peace in believing the scriptures and what they say about God. And in that, it will cause you to abound. This word abound in, in the scripture, when you go back to the Greek and you study it, it literally means this, to superabound. That's the translation of it, to superabound. Now to abound means to be great in number or to increase greatly, right? But to superabound means what? to super increase in number and to super abound greatly. And basically, a, a good word for this is, Paul saying this, I pray that you overflow in hope. I pray that something is pouring out of you that is so great, and when people look at it, they see the hope of God in you. 
and that is our Advent prayer this, this morning and for the next few weeks, and we're going to go through it and see. So today, because let's just face it, how, how many of you right now, is there anybody in here right now that you are filled, you are full of joy and peace, and you are overflowing and super abounding right now in hope? The fact of the matter is, this prayer is not our current experience, right? But Paul knows it can be. It can be. Listen, I understand, and, and don't, please don't think I'm being um, unsympathetic or um, I have no empathy. The, the fact of the matter is, the holidays for most people, a lot of people look at it and they go, they're just hard, right? There's a lot, and I get it. I do. I really do. You know, I mean, I've, I've, lost, I've lost loved ones. I know, I know the hurt. But here, here's the thing about it. The prayer that Paul is praying right here is saying that even those hurts, the power of God can come into your heart and into your life and cause you to be so full of joy and so full of peace that you overflow with your hope in Him. Now, for a lot of us, if we'll be honest, we listen to that and go, Preacher, that sure sounds good, right? But in our hearts, do we believe it could really happen? A lot of people, we don't because our pain and our grief is so bad. And again, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not real. I know it is. But I'm also saying that this prayer can be true for you. It can be. And it's my prayer that it is true for you. And so let's begin this morning by examining this prayer. First thing I want you to notice is the source. The source of this, um, this request that we're asking, the joy and the peace and the overflowing in hope, is the God of hope. That's the source. He, this is the God that gave you the scriptures. This is the God that gave you the entire word of His so that you can go back and you can see everything that you need to know about this God. Everything you need to know about this creation. Everything you need to know about why it is the way it is. Why we do the things that we do. And he gave you this word so that it would lead you to him. And then it would give you endurance to follow him. And then it would encourage you to continue following him in a cursed world. And then it would cause you to be filled with joy and peace and believing in what he, and who he is and what he is to you. And then it causes you to overflow in hope because you do believe what it is that the Word says that He is, and all the promises that He gives you. And so the source of this request is the God of hope. And then we see the means. The means of you overflowing with hope is that you be filled with all joy and peace in believing. So the means are your belief in the God of hope. And the God of hope is the God of hope because He gave you the Scriptures that give hope. And so this morning, your source is God. The means is the Word of God. And then finally, when you take the Word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, so that, when you believe in it, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes in, and He takes the Word, and He opens your eyes to it, and you see it for what it is, and you believe it for what it is, hope. You can't stop it. 
it increases inside of you and it overflows. That's the experience that God wants you to have this Christmas. That's why Jesus came. If you were to go back and look a few scriptures up, he'll say, this is why Jesus came. Jesus came as a servant to the circumcision to do this and this and this. And we'll get into that here in just a few minutes. But let's um, back up just a little bit. I need to give you a little bit of context. In Romans chapter 14, you don't have to go back there. You can take my word for it. Go home and read it for yourself. In Romans chapter 14, basically what we have is we have what Paul is calling strong Christians and weak Christians. He's got Jews and Gentiles. Now see, Jews came to faith in Christ and yet they had a, a big hindrance. They come to faith in Christ and understand that salvation is by faith and faith alone, right? But then their dilemma is this. Now what do we do with all our dietary laws? Don't eat this, eat this. Prepare it this way, don't prepare it this way. What do we do with all of our Sabbath laws? Uh, this is the Sabbath day and you keep this day holy and you do this. What do we do with all our sacrifice laws? What do we do with all of these, um, all of these uh, do not drink this, do drink this, um, observe this new moon and observe this festival? And so now what do we do with all that? And so they come in and they're trying to figure all this out. Well, the Gentiles, on the other hand, they don't have none of that. And so they come to the table... And when they come to faith in Christ, they come into this thing with a clean slate, basically. And they come in, they don't have any dietary laws. All they have is faith in Christ. And so when you go back to, Genesis, uh, to uh, Romans chapter 14, the Apostle Paul starts saying, listen, the people who are strongest in faith are the ones that understand their liberty in Christ. They understand that they have been set free from all of this, do this, don't do this. They've been set free from all of this. And now they are free to serve God in the Spirit and to do what is good and what is right. But then the Jews come in and the Jews have to figure out what do we do. And so Romans 14 is all about Paul helping them understand how to, how to be sympathetic with each other and how to be understanding with each other and how to receive each other in spite of all their different backgrounds and all their differences and all the things that everybody's trying to grow in and struggle in. Basically the same thing we deal a lot with today, right? When the church comes together, all types of different backgrounds, all types of different raisins, and this one was brought up in church. This one ain't got no idea anything about church. And so Paul brings them together and he says, listen, you need to learn to be compassionate with each other and to build each other up and to make sure that you're being patient with each other. And so Romans 14 is all about that. Be welcoming, upbuild each other, be patient with each other, especially with those that are still learning and still growing in Christ. They ain't got it all the way yet. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay. Let's help them. Let's keep encouraging. Let's keep doing that. So by the time we get to chapter 15, verse 1, with that context in mind, listen to the way Paul says it. He says, we who are strong then, and the people that are strong here are basically the people who come in and they understand that I'm saved by faith and faith alone. That's it. And so it really here the strong Christians are the Gentiles. The ones that had no raisin in the faith. The ones that had no law. The ones that had no dietary restrictions or all these things that they had to do to follow God. And yet the ones that were supposedly the chosen people are the ones that are weak in the faith. Because they don't quite get that I'm saved by faith and faith alone. And so they come into this thing and Paul says in chapter 15, We who are strong then have an obligation 
to bear with the failings of the weak. And not just to please ourselves, because that's what we typically want to do, right? Not just to please ourselves, but instead in verse 2, let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. Our purpose in this and in being patient with each other and being welcoming with each other, our purpose in this is so that we can build each other up in our faith because we're all supposedly believers in Christ, right? And if that is true, if you are a believer in Christ, then our job is to guide each other through the Word and be patient with each other and loving to one another and help each other try to learn and try to grow in Christ. And so he says, but don't just do it to just please yourself. Do it because this is the example that Christ did. What's the first word of verse 3? What is that? Here's the reason why I want you to do it. Because Christ did not please himself. In other words, if he's our perfect example, what did he do? He didn't come down here to please himself. He didn't come down here to do everything for him. But instead, here's what's written. The reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Another great translation of this would say it this way. The insults of all those who insulted you fell on me. In other words, here's, here's layman's terms. I, Christ, if Christ were speaking here, you know I ain't being all that. <clears throat> but if, um, if Christ were speaking here, and he is through his word, he would say to you this. I took on suffering. And I took on sacrifice of myself for the insults and the reproaches that belonged on you. They fell on me. And I did it not to please myself. I did it for your good. For your good. And so what he's saying here is if we're going to follow Christ's example, we need to be patient with each other. We need to be encouraging. We need to be lifting up. Again, all this is in truth, not just to please ourselves and just to make everything happy-go-lucky, but for the purpose of following Christ's example and building them up and growing them in the faith. Now keep reading with me, verse 4. we got another first word. What's that first word in verse 4? Here's why. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. In other words, the reason I'm giving you this scripture is because I want you to understand that everything that was written, even in Old Testament, any idiot that tries to tell you that the Old Testament ain't, ain't worth nothing today and you have no use for it, you, you just walk away from them. Be patient with them, but walk away. They're an idiot, all right? <laughs> for whatever was written in former days was written... For our instruction, God forgive me, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have. Y'all be patient, be patient with me, all right? I'm still growing. Yes. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. In other words, God gave us the scriptures so that as we learn how to walk and as we learn how to follow Christ and as we follow the examples of the people of old and as we're patient with each other, it is supposed to build endurance in us to keep doing this. Because how many of you know that after today's sermon, you may five minutes afterward be able to be patient with somebody? Maybe. But what about ten minutes after? We're not real good at endurance in this thing, are we? And he says here that I want you to understand that it's through the scriptures. It's through the scriptures and the things that were written before that they're written for our instruction. 
And they're written so that we can have endurance in these things. And they're written so that we can have encouragement in these things as we do them. That it's a good thing that Christ did it. And look what God has done for him. What do you think he'll do for you? So keep sacrificing, keep suffering, whatever it takes in order to help grow people in their faith. And so then we let's go on to the next verse. Therefore, the prayer of Paul is this, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus. Again, Paul's not saying that we are to just be accepting and that we don't ever say anything or negative. No, we follow the Scriptures. We're growing in faith or we're not following Christ, right? And so it is in, Christ, in accord with Christ Jesus that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. How did Christ welcome you? Did you have it all together and were you perfect in all of your ways whenever Christ found you? And so in the same way, you welcome and receive other people. And this is what he is telling us to do after Christ's example. <clears throat> and then next in verse 8, here's what we see. We see the reason. Again, look at the first word of verse 8, 4. Here's the reason why you can come together and with one voice and in one person glorify God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. As, as it is written, we'll go through these. Let me, let me just, um, instead of going through all the breakdown for lack of time, let me just explain it to you. Here's what Paul is saying. He is saying that the reason Jesus came as a Jew, that's basically what he's saying. The reason Jesus came as one under the law, the reason he became a servant to the law or to circumcision as it's called here, the reason he did that is because he wanted to show the Jews and all the rest of the world God's truthfulness. He wanted you to be able to look at the scriptures who give you encouragement, endurance, and hope, and he wanted you to be able to look at the example of Christ and say, listen, the reason Jesus came at Christmas, the reason Jesus came the way that he did is to prove God's truthfulness. He wants you to look at this one example, and there are many more, but he wants you to at least be able to look at this one and say, listen, this is what God promised to the fathers many years ago. Look at, look at that verse again at the beginning of verse 8. He says, For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised. Here's the reason. To show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. He wants you to look at him and be able to go, God will do what he said he would do. He wants the Jews to look at this thing and go, Guys, y'all know that years ago God promised this. Exactly the way it happened. And then he wants you to be able to look at it and go, God is faithful. God will keep his promise, y'all. Whatever God has said, Nick, he'll do it. He's truthful, Fagan. Whatever he says... If he said it, guess what? Jesus said the reason he came the way that he did is because he wanted you to see that God is truthful. God cannot lie. God will always keep his word. 
even if it seems like years have passed, God will always do what he said he would do. And then not only that, so Jews, you can come together and you need to be able to praise God for his truthfulness because you know it, you see it. And then Gentiles, you need to be able to come in and praise God for his mercy because you weren't even a people. You didn't even belong. But now God, because of his plan in past, has made you a people. And so Gentiles, you can come in, you can praise God for his mercy. No matter where you're at in your walk of faith, you can praise him for, your, for his mercy. Right? And Jews, no matter where you're at in your walk of faith, you can come in and you can praise him for his truthfulness. And with one voice, you can blend together and you can say, God, thank you for your truthfulness. And God, thank you for your mercy. But he don't stop there. He wants you to understand that the vice is versa. He wants you to understand that Gentiles, you too can praise him for his truthfulness because look at what his word said back then. And so he goes on in verse, um, in verse 9. He says, as it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. In other words, God has been telling you this for years and years that you are going to be included in his people who are not a people. And then he goes on and he says in verse 10, And again it is said, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. In verse 11, And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. And so basically here's what Paul is doing. Follow his train of thought here. See what he's doing. He's saying, Guys, you have every reason to come in and praise God if you've come to faith in Christ. If you're a Jew, you see that he kept his promise. If you're a Gentile, guys, he kept his promise to you back here that he was going to show you the light, that he was going to bring you in. And so, yes, you can praise him for his mercy, but you can praise him for his truthfulness too, that he keeps his word. And Jews, not only the Gentiles, but you can also praise him for his mercy, not just his truthfulness, because even though you were a people, you really weren't a people. You were only a people if you found faith. That was it. And so he wants them to understand that no matter where you come from, Jew or Gentile, you don't deserve to be here. And so you deserve to praise him for his mercy. And so everybody can praise him because God is truthful, y'all. And everybody can praise him because God is merciful, y'all. I don't belong here. You think you belong here? You don't belong here. But he made you to belong here. And we can come together and we can praise him for his mercy and we can praise him for his truthfulness. I'm not going to cover all these scriptures. I got, I got so many scriptures for y'all. <coughs> I want to answer one question this morning. Here's what it's going to be. So God, how are you going to make us overflow with hope? How's this going to happen? If you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, believe the scriptures about God's truthfulness. And listen, I'm not talking about just believe like, yeah, I believe it. That's not what I'm talking about. R. Kelly believed he could fly. Did he jump off any buildings you know of and try it? Here's the point I'm trying to make. If you believe something, 
you set your roots in it. You park yourself in it. And you live in it. And so what Paul is saying here is this. Let's read the prayer one more time. Look at verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In believing what? The example he gave. In believing that God is truthful, y'all. In believing that when you go back and you read the scriptures, the word of God in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 says, all of the promises of God are yes and amen to you. You go back and find a promise anywhere, and you know what God says to you about it? Mm -hmm. And again, it ain't based on the fact you deserve it. Ryan Lee, you don't deserve it. Lisa Lee, you don't deserve it. You don't deserve it, G. It's not based on that. It's based on His mercy, right? And any promise you go back and find, we look at it and we go, boy, I don't deserve this. And God goes, yeah, you're right. You don't. But you know what I'm going to do? Here you go, G. And guess what? You don't have to doubt it because it's not based on you. It's based on what? God and His mercy and His truthfulness. And because it's based on God's truthfulness, you can look that promise at it and you can go, God, thank you for your mercy. And you can look at that promise and you can go, God, thank you. Thank you for, for choosing me. And I don't deserve it. And thank you that I can look at every one of your promises and I can say, yes, that belongs to me. In spite of who I am. But because of who he has made me to be. So believe the scriptures about God's truthfulness. Listen, he promised a Savior to the children of God ever since the fall. Remember, he said that God's truthfulness was proven by sending Christ, right? Well, let's look at just a few of them. Genesis chapter 3, verses 14 through 15. Let me find that. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On, their, on your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. A better translation of this says, He shall crush your head, and you will bruise his heel. When the fall happened, when it took place, God came on the scene and said, Okay, guys, here's the way it's going to look, but here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save you. Yeah, you've pulled away from me. Yeah, you've declared your independence from me. Yeah, you don't want to be near your source of life. I get that. You don't trust me. You've listened to the serpent. See, here's the thing about it. If Adam and Eve had believed in God's truthfulness, when Satan came to them and said, has God really said if you eat from this tree? You know what they would have said? Yeah. That's exactly what he said. And that's exactly what he means. But instead, they didn't believe God's truthfulness and they wanted their own way. And they looked and they said, God, we declare our independence from you. And God came in and he said, you've just separated yourself from your source of life. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save you. And so... He looks at the serpent and he says, hey, buddy, one day her offspring is going to come in and crush your head. And you're going to bruise his heel. You are. But he's going to cut your head off, you ugly thing. 
and we see this from the very beginning. And then we could keep going. I, I can't name all of them. Let me just look at a few. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. Look at what God promised to Abraham. He says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And just in case you wondered what that promise was about, go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. It says, and the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. And so when God made that promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, what he was saying was, I'm going to save the world through your seed. Every nation will come to know me through your seed. And then... Verse 9 of Galatians chapter 3 says, So then, those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. We see it fulfilled in Christ. Luke chapter 1, verse 54 and 55. Listen to what um, Mary said in her Magnificat. She said, He has helped His servant Israel in remembrance of His mercy as He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His offspring, Forever. In other words, when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she looked at it and she said, this is the fulfillment of his promise. This is what he's been saying ever since the fall. He's doing it. He's, he's actually doing what he said he was going to do. And I could go on to Zechariah. I, I could show you scripture after scripture. I could take you back and show you where Jesus was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. The scripture that we read in Matthew this morning that he went to these lands because it, the scripture said that he would be a light to the Gentiles. Everything that scripture ever said. We see Paul and all the other writers going back and saying the reason he did this is because he said it back here. The reason he did this is because he said it back here. And we can look back at all of those things and we can say, listen, if God did it then and he kept his promise, guess what? He cannot lie and he will keep his promise. So if you set your roots into believing that God is truthful, that God is faithful, the scriptures prove it. If you set your roots in it, then it will produce a peace and a joy in you. And it will produce a hope that overflows in you because you believe. God, if you said it, you're going to do it. Listen to just a few of the promises. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. Listen to what he says here. <clears throat> he says, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will what? You will be saved. You will be saved. How many of you laid in bed and go, there ain't no way God could ever save me? Come on, guys. Let me tell you something. You look back at the Word of God and you remind yourself and you say, here's what God said. God said that if I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and God said that if I believe in my heart that, that, that He raised Christ from the dead, God said, I will save you. God said, and if that don't create a peace and a joy in you and an overflow of hope in you, your problem is you don't believe it. That's your problem. You don't believe it. But if you believe the scriptures, let's look at just a couple more. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. Y'all, this is the one that got me right here. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. This is, this is where I'm ready to jump up on the table. I may do it right here so y'all get out of the way. <coughs> 
fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You ever looked at a situation you were in and went, I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to turn. I don't know if I'm doing it right. I don't know. I don't know. Go back to Isaiah 41 verse 10 and you read this to yourself and you say, God said, fear not. God said, I'm with you. God said, don't you be dismayed because I'm your God. God said, I will strengthen you. God said, I will help you. God said, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God said, you believe that? And remember, it's not based on you. It's based on His mercy towards you. You don't deserve it. But God said, if I've led you to faith, and there's anything in you that loves the Lord Jesus Christ, it's only because I have opened your heart and opened your eyes to it. It's only because I've come in and said, let light shine in darkness. And if I have done that in your life, in spite of who you are, if I have done that, you belong to me. And I am your God. And I'll help you. I'll uphold you. Oh, y'all ain't getting this. I, just, I, I, don't, I don't know if you're getting it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. i got to speed up. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply every need. John chapter 14, verse 1 through 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms, many mansions. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself that where I am, be there with me. Some of y'all getting it. God said, guys, God's truthful. God's faithful. God will do what He said He will do. Got to move on. Number two. It's, I've only got a bunch. <coughs> How do we overflow with hope? <coughs> Believe the scriptures that God didn't give you his promises because you deserve it. No, you don't deserve it. It's his mercy and it's his grace. I'm not going to dig into that one. I'll just read this verse to you. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 9. Listen to this very closely. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Y'all catch that? And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. 
that in the coming ages, here's why he does it by grace, here's why he does it by mercy and not by you. Listen closely. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in the kindness that he has shown toward you in Christ Jesus. You're his trophy. One day you will be sitting up at the right hand of Christ in heaven in a place that you do not deserve. And the only thing you're going to be able to do is look out at all the angels and everybody that's there and go, he was kind toward me. And y'all know, y'all was watching the whole thing. Y'all saw everything about me. The only thing I can tell you is he was kind toward me. And look at his kindness toward me. Look at the riches of his grace. Anybody know about the riches of his grace? One day you will be his trophy. You already are. But this is in the coming ages. And then he ends it by this in verse two, Ephesians 2 verse 8. For, here's the reason why. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. Listen closely. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one will ever be able to sit at the right hand of Christ in heaven and go, well, he saved me because I was obedient. He saved you by his grace. Saved you by his grace and that alone. Last one, how do we overflow with hope? By the power of the Holy Spirit. The scriptures are spiritually discerned. Remember, The scriptures is how God gives us the hope. He shows us that he's a God of his word. He gives us his promises in his scriptures. He leads us to him through his scriptures. And the problem is you and your natural self look at the scriptures and you don't see nothing. But let me tell you something. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes in and takes the scriptures and he opens your eyes to what the scriptures say, and he gives you faith to believe in what the scriptures say, peace and joy are inevitable. They will happen. And the more you believe and the more you see, the more you'll be filled to the point that you are at full capacity of belief. And when you are at full capacity of belief, hope will overflow. It'll overflow. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a wonderful thing. In closing. Our Christmas prayer, our Advent prayer, is that you believe the scriptures about God's truthfulness. That you believe the scriptures about God's mercy and His grace. Quit believing that it's based on you. Listen, I get it. I'm not one of those preachers that's up here going, well, I can just be saved and go out and live like the devil. No, I get that. If we have genuine faith, He leads us in Christ. He points us toward Him. We have a desire to be obedient to God. We still fall short every day. But it ain't based on me. It's based on His truthfulness. It's based on His mercy. It's based on His grace. It's based on His word. I pray, guys, that you'll set your roots down in this. I pray you'll find one of those promises. And and there are many more. I only read four of them to you, y'all. There are so many. And I pray that you find one of these promises that you can set your roots down in and you can believe with all of your heart, God said. And I believe it. I believe it. 
you do that, the power of the Holy Spirit will fill you. It will make you full of joy and peace in believing these things. And as you believe, hope will overflow because you will know that His promises towards you are steadfast, secure, and sure. Let me read one more scripture to you, please. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. Let's just start there. We'll go through it fast. I promise this is it. And when God made a promise to Abraham since he had no one greater by whom to swear. He swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you. That's what he told Abraham. Surely I will bless you. In other words, God said, I'm putting my name on the line when I tell you this. That's the reason why Jesus said, If it were not so, would I have told you? He said, I'm putting my name on the line here. If I don't do what I say, then what? Can I be trusted? He says, surely I will bless you and multiply you. Go on to verse 15. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Verse 16. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. What do you do when you want somebody to believe you? Chastity, I swear. And then if that's not enough, what I do? Chastity, I, I swear. I put my hand on the Bible. I'll swear. In other words, we try to find the greatest thing that we can to swear upon so that people will know that I'm going to do what I say. And he says, listen, so when God desired to show even more convincingly than you, when God desired to show even more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Verse 18. So that by two unchangeable things. The first one is that it's impossible to lie. God, God can't lie. It's not his nature. It's against his nature. That's the first thing. The other unchangeable thing he's already told you. He swore by himself and he put his name on the line. It's impossible for him to change that. His name is at stake. And so he says here, I've swore by myself, it's impossible for me to lie. Therefore, we who have fled for refuge from our sin might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us in spite of us. And we have this. What do we have? We have this hope in the unchangeable purpose of God, in the truthfulness of God, in the mercy of God, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where only God is. I don't even know how to close this. I'm just telling you this morning, guys, if you want to be filled with joy, and peace, I'm talking filled, believe the scriptures. Read them and believe them. And if you want to overflow with hope, you set your roots down in that stuff and you remember God said and all of his promises are yes and amen to me. And if you can do that, this Christmas season is going to be a good one. I promise you.